Michaela Peterson, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? Doing really well. This is uh, this is an unexpected podcast for me, and probably for uh, you haven't met my co-host Marcus yet. But um, you know, Mark, it's funny because nice to meet you. We've been doing the heavy checklist nice podcast for too. a while, and uh, Marcus is one of my longtime best friends. He's somebody who um, he's really good in the. I don't know how you explain I got what you, you tongue-tied, man. You do I have me tongue-tied. I'm the dummy of the show. So when it comes to personal development, I'm the guy who's just getting started on all this stuff. So I, I guess I would provide a good perspective coming from like a lot of people who listen to our show because they're uh, maybe just starting to practice some of the things that we're talking about. Wow. You said that really well. Helpful. Was I, was I well-spoken? God, that was... See, all the personal development from the show is going a long ways because you wouldn't be able to say that a year ago. That Here was, we that are. That was very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, Michaela, Marcus asked me as we were getting started, he said, I've looked up Michaela and I've, I've tried to, you know, do some homework on her as he's, as he's trying to, you know, um, do his due diligence. And he says, what exactly does she do? And I said, you know what? She does a lot of things. She's, uh, she's kind of running her dad's uh, media empire. You built the media empire for your dad, kind of, right? Because I don't think your dad would have done that without you. Well, he did have, um, I, I did all the other social medias, but he did start putting his lectures on YouTube maybe in 2010 or maybe earlier. So his YouTube, I mean, now I oversee it, but the initial like huge growth that he had, that was all him. The other social medias and then, you know, brand management, that's me. I love how uh, watching some of your YouTubes and watching conversations with your dad, you kind of hint to the fact that he wasn't the best negotiator for himself. Yes. He's, you you he's came not. in and you drive a hard bargain. Yeah. And I think it's easier because I'm bargaining on behalf of somebody else. Right. Like I think a lot of people have trouble bargaining on behalf of themselves and then they get these weird guilt complexes and like, oh, maybe I'm being too harsh on the other person or maybe I don't deserve this. But if you're bargaining on behalf of somebody else, then I think you can see the picture more clearly. So yeah, he's he's not a great bargainer on his behalf, but I am. I love it. If I do say so myself. No, I, I think you are. You guys have done a phenomenal job with all of the media that you've continued to like. What you spun out of what was kind of just sheer happenstance with some of his videos going viral is pretty incredible. Um, that's, that's literally the definition of catching a tiger by the tail, and you guys did a good job with it. And what's odd is through your dad's books – I feel like I know you. I feel like I watched you grow up because we, we've heard your story and we've heard, you know, little Michaela. In fact, Marcus, if you don't know, um, Michaela, and for all of our listeners, Michaela growing up had a really, really tough childhood because she had all sorts of health issues, right? Yes, it was not. It wasn't fun. I'm, I'm writing, uh, writing a book about it now, which is hopefully going to be out next year. And it's really, it's really quite depressing. Like I'm doing, I'm doing good right now, but there was like a lot of bad things happened to me that I don't think, I mean, I, I, it could have been far worse, but it was not, it wasn't a great time. Yeah. But that's, that's what I love about this conversation right now is reading, you know, your dad's book and his description of you growing up and then looking at you right now, these are two totally different people. Um, so you obviously were able to fix some things along the way and you actually, you did it in a way that I'm, a, that's the first thing I want to talk about here on the podcast today is you came up with a very unique diet. You're going to love this, by the way. This is the, every, every guy in the world should love this diet. Uh, you want to go ahead and tell them what it is, Michaela? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I only eat meat. I've only been eating meat since December, 2017. Um, and I, there, there's, I have a variety of hypotheses about why this works, but I've managed to put severe, severe juvenile idiopathic arthritis into remission. So I had my hip and ankle replaced when I was 17. I was taking a, a slew of medications. I was in, like injecting myself with um, biologics, immune suppressants, taking painkillers, and the medical system just didn't. I was like slowly or actually rather rapidly dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, it felt slow, but it was actually quite, quite quick. So when I was 20... Kind of 22, um, my wrist, my wrist had always bothered me, and it was starting to really bother me. And I thought, oh my god, I'm gonna, am I gonna end up with a replaced right wrist as well? Like three joints before the age of 25. This is really not going well. And so I started. I went 
to school for uh, biomedical science and I started researching and I came across evidence that gluten could be seriously inflammatory to some people and relatively inflammatory to most people. Um, and I did some genetic testing and I found out that I was, I, I probably had celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disorder that's caused by, that just is exacerbated by eating gluten. And I thought, oh my God, maybe gluten is, <laughs> is actually behind all of my autoimmune problems. And I'd always chalked up kind of being gluten-free to a California fad and just, you know, organic food, all of that I'd had put into this kind of fad diet. So when I found out there was a link between gluten and potential like gut damage and health problems, that blew my mind. Um, so then I went kind of took a deep dive into diet and I went on a paleo diet, which most people know what a paleo diet is now. I was grain-free, dairy-free. I was also egg-free. I cut out everything that I thought I might be allergic to. So lots of people are allergic to eggs. Lots of people are allergic to, you know, dairy, grains, soy. So I cut all that out and I put my arthritis into remission in a month of doing a strict paleo diet. Jeez. It was I, absurd. And you'd had this your whole life? I'd had symptoms since I was two and I was formally diagnosed when I was seven. Um, and to tell you the truth, arthritis was, it was a concern, but my main concern was I, I'd also been diagnosed with really severe depression. I had idiopathic hypersomnia, so I was sleeping all the time. And I had this skin rash that just wouldn't heal. And the, the rash and the actual like vein part of me is what got me to start looking into, <laughs> into health. I was like, okay, arthritis was one thing. And being, I had like depression with hypomanic periods. It was like that, that was really terrible sleeping all the time. But now I have this rash that won't go away. And that's the final straw. That's what so did that's, it for you. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's too many. It's too much now. Uh, so I went on a paleo diet and then I went off of all my medications and um, it turns out that if you stop taking, I'd, I'd been taking SSRIs since I was 12 for this depression because I was like, as a kid, I was so miserable. I was having suicidal thoughts. Um, this was when I was on immune suppressants with arthritis. Um, and so I was medicated and I stopped taking the SSRIs too quickly. And I didn't realize that they can cause dependency in people. Right. And so I had SSRI withdrawal for two and a half years. And it was horrible. So I went on Rogan to talk about this diet, the all, and I, and I talked about how I had tried to reintroduce soy and I had hallucinated, which is by, not by consuming soy. That I do normally. Yeah. I tried to reintroduce soy. And a few days later, like I, my, my arthritis came back. I started getting this blistering rash again. And the depression that had lifted came back with a vengeance. What? And I, yeah. And I, um, I, I was not seeing very well, like things were kind of grainy. And I asked my brother to drive me home because I didn't trust myself driving. And I turned around and to wave goodbye to him. And he looked at me and he had this demon face and it was like a full, you know, one Mississippi. Like he looked at me, he turned this way and then it turned back into my brother. And I was standing at my door being like, okay, that wasn't real. Like, great. <laughs> I went off of all my medications and now I'm bad shit crazy. <laughs> um, and it turns out that if you rapidly stop taking psych meds, even SSRIs, which most people think are relatively safe, um, some people get withdrawal and the withdrawal symptoms are often confused with the original disorder. But um, anyways, that's what led me to the meat diet because I couldn't get, I couldn't get the same I didn't have the same success on the paleo diet when I stopped taking my medications. I got more sensitive and I suffered with this like kind of off and on um, withdrawal for about a year and I kept cutting carbs. So I cut out, I was eating like a little bit of apple and pears and sweet potatoes. I got rid of those. So then I was on meat and greens for about a year and then I cut out the greens because I was like, I know meat's not giving me these symptoms and I can't tolerate, like my arthritis was there a little bit. Um, I had this horrible depression, which was my main concern. And so I went to an all meat diet and in about, it was 30 days, that horrible doomy feeling in the morning, um, that I had with depression went away. And five months later, the lingering anxiety went away. 
And um, so I've been talking about it because not because I want to be some diet like person on Instagram, giving out diet advice because which you could, I mean, Hey, that's a big business. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it would have been so much more fun to be like the keto person or the paleo person instead of the, (laughs) I all meat girl. Yeah. Because it's a lot. Well, it seems to be, it seems to be spreading, but it's, it's more difficult to sell. And when I talk to people and they're like, Hmm, like, yeah, I get where you're coming from. But, uh, so so I've been, I've been on this diet and my dad's on the diet. Um, my mom's on a diet because she had osteoarthritis. She doesn't have osteoarthritis anymore. My dad got rid of his gum disease, his GERD. Um, and then he stopped taking his antidepressants and had antidepressant withdrawal, which went terribly wrong. Anyway, it's been a whirlwind, but. But you just 100% eat meat. That's it. You don't eat anything other than meat. Um. So. I'm slightly less sensitive now. Uh, and I seem to be able to get away with drinking tea, but Whole that's like tea. That's, that's like your that's exception to the rule. So you drink tea <laughs> and you eat meat. That's it. Yeah, that's oh, it. Well, hold on. Can you, and for the, f- can you drink like a Coke? No, God, no. Why would I want to drink a Coke? If I could drink like, no. No, this I don't, is I don't know. I haven't tried. Like maybe I, it's just, if I was going to reintroduce something, I wouldn't start with Coke. Okay. Maybe, All right. Maybe huh. a lemonade. Yeah. Maybe it's a maybe little softer. Lemonade. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably start with like lemon water. Lemon water would probably be okay. I didn't realize it was fine. that I, sensitive. So, I mean, the fact that tea is like your, your exception to the rule, or it's like your one thing you can get away with. Tea's pretty mellow. Well, and what I love about this is <laughs> mellow, yeah. what I love about this is as if it wasn't hard enough to be Jordan Peterson's daughter because your, your dad is in, you know, the spotlight and you guys have got people, people paint you as somebody who you're not. I've, I've seen some of the articles, uh, hearing what you guys talk about versus what some of the news articles say you are two totally different worlds. And I think it's entertaining. I love the, how, how you handle it. You've done a good job, um, having fun with it. But on top of all that, then you had to be the girl that the only cure to your disease was eating all meat. So it's like you have this, amazing uh story that honestly it wouldn't have worked out any other way if you had some lame keto diet that works for you it just wouldn't fit your story i don't think i really don't um which is why okay that's good no i think it's great i think it's great and and it's funny because i can see the reluctance in you to to you don't want to be a diet coach. You don't want to be a you know somebody who's out there giving fitness and and health and uh, advice like that but you almost feel obligated to because you found this yeah. out the hard way all by yourself. As I'm hearing your story, I'm like, this sounds like something a doctor should have figured out. And doctors didn't figure you it think? out. think? Right? Well, and yeah, no, they didn't. Um, you don't, you almost don't hear diet mentioned at all. You don't learn about diet in medical school. They have like three hours of nutrition and it's just taught by basically the corporations who invented the food pyramid. So they don't know anything about diet. Um, and yeah, it makes me really angry because I went, the medical system is slow to implement things. So the keto diet, um, was used in the 1930s to treat epilepsy. And then the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies came along and invented anti-epileptics and people kind of forgot about the keto diet, but it was an effective treatment and didn't have side effects, maybe losing weight. Right. But uh, that was the 1930s. And so it's kind of become more popular recently maybe 10 years ago, that would be pushing it. And you're starting to see studies roll out using the keto diet to treat epilepsy or or certain diseases now. But you'd think that you'd think that somebody would be motivated to run some studies on this. um, Given the fact that if you look at Google searches, it's growing, right? right? The carnivore diet. um, So what I do is stricter than the, the more popular, but still obscure carnivore diet. Um, but yeah, it pisses me off. So part of the reason <laughs> I talk about, I didn't talk about it actually for a while when I, when I, I was eating like a list of 17 foods, trying to stay sane, <laughs> uh, on this l- really restrictive paleo diet. And I didn't tell, I didn't talk about it at all. And then when I didn't get better and I didn't get better and I was going through these cycles of all my symptoms are gone and I'd reintroduce a food and then they'd all come back and I'd be like, and it would follow the same the same, like my symptoms would come back in the same order. The reaction would last the same number of days. And I was keeping notes. 
um, because I was like, this is absurd that I can be having these autoimmune reactions to food, given the fact autoimmune disorders aren't supposed to be impacted by food. Um, and then, so I started a blog right before I switched to the carnivore diet because I was like, I it was so isolating. And I thought if anybody else is experiencing this, then at least they might not feel so shitty about like being crazy because it's definitely happening to me. And the blog started to gain popularity. And then my dad mentioned it on, on Rogan. So that obviously spiked things. And I don't know, there are a lot of like sick people looking for help. And a lot of people who are chronically ill, who haven't had help from the medical system. Yeah. Right? Otherwise we wouldn't have chronically ill people if they could all be treated successfully. It's true. So, and the problem is a lot of the treatments are so generic where you've got, they, they just assume you have some sort of food sensitivity. So they just rule out, they don't do it as specifically as you did. I think when it comes to narrowing down exactly what doesn't, doesn't work. Um, I don't know of any dietitian or any sort of doctor or any sort of process that would go through and actually be as extreme as you were. Um, so I think it's one of those things that you had to find out. You had to figure it out yourself because there's no path that modern medicine would have taken to get you there. Um, which is kind of cool because no, it's, I tried. It, yeah, you tried for a long and your dad tried and your tried, parents tried yeah, as you were a kid. Years. Yeah. 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 So it's not like we didn't try. We exhausted all the options and I was losing joints on their medications. Like disintegrating like, your bones were just kind of like, like falling my, apart. yeah, they're disintegrating. I remember I went into my rheumatologist and I was like, I can't use my, like my hand isn't working very well. And I have a lot of pain in my wrist. I'm worried I'm going to need another joint replacement because my hip and my ankle, it was like, they were kind of stiff. And then suddenly they were gone. Yeah. It, it made no sense. Like I had an MRI and they were like, you're going to need a hip replacement when you're 35. And five months later, they're like, you need a hip replacement now. Jeez. So it was just, it was sudden. So I was talking about my wrist and he goes, Oh, don't worry. Like, you know, joint replacements are really rare in people your age. And I was like, I have two, like they're not that rare in me. Yeah. So it was just, there, there was nothing left. And I was either going to like waste away on, you know, eight medications, brain foggy, like insanely brain foggy. I was just going to waste away. So I decided I'd, you know, look at all the options and diet is an option. And shockingly enough, it worked, but it wasn't a fun journey. No, definitely not. Have you ever heard of the book, uh, the mind gut connection? So the mind gut connection yeah. is something that I read recently. And, um, it's crazy that I think the world is just barely starting to kind of open their eyes to this. And you discovered this obviously long ago, how interconnected what you're eating is is doing to your emotions to your uh to your thinking to everything that's going on upstairs people don't understand that they're so intimately connected um and in the book it talks about like 95 percent of the body's serotonin is stored in your gut so like people that have depression and people that aren't able to um yeah you know <laughs> like experience happiness a lot of the times it's unlocking your gut it's not it's not you know doctors and and, and traditional medicine wants to give you ssris well they want to give you they want to give you these antidepressants. They want to give you feel good pills, but it's just treating the symptom. It's not actually going down and treating the actual problem, which is the majority of the time, as you discovered in your gut. Um, yeah. 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 It's pretty wild. Did uh, you know, there's, Oh, sorry. There's a, there's a delay. Cause I'm no, all good. Somewhere warm. It's just interesting. We're talking about this. Cause I, you know, I, I don't know anything about this, but my wife, uh, super active, goes to the gym twice a day, really in shape, uh, really motivated. She started feeling like really terrible, you know? And it was like every single day she'd wake up, she'd go to the gym and I thought it was overtraining. I'm just like, dude, you're pushing it. You're doing too much. Well, she just got her blood work done and she has some sort of autoimmune disease. And, uh, we've, the frustrating thing is we're supposed to go to a rheumatologist, right? And it took him three weeks to finally approve us. And now we have to wait six weeks till we can get an appointment, but she's been doing the same thing. And it's so crazy to see how like food can affect her. Like she's on a strict diet. She's completely gluten-free. She doesn't eat anything, but yeah, if she right does, now. if she has like a piece of bread, like it almost is like debilitating and it like completely takes her out, which I used to think just like, you know, food was food, but seeing her and like going through all this stuff, I'm like, man, it really does make a difference what you eat. And for her, we don't know what it is yet. And we hope to find out and narrow it down, but maybe I need to tell her to start eating meat every day. Yeah, I've been, so I have a couple of Facebook groups and they're mostly for people who are 
seriously ill because people don't usually try an all meat diet unless they're half dead because nobody wants to do that diet for fun unless they're weird. There are a few like weirdos that are like, yeah, I'll just try this for fun. But <laughs> most people are, have no other option. And it does seem to, it does seem to work, um, which I know sounds like a crazy claim, but at least what it does is it narrows down your diet to one thing so that you can reintroduce things and figure out what's bugging you. Yeah. Otherwise there are so many variables. It's really difficult to find out. But um, if people wanted or your wife wanted to cut certain things, the most inflammatory foods for me were dairy for sure, gluten containing grains, but all grains, um, soy and eggs. So I know eggs are seen as a health food and they, and some, they are healthy for some people, but people with autoimmune disorders sometimes have difficulty with that. So even if she just wanted to go, you know, grain-free, dairy-free, soy-free and egg-free, that would eliminate a lot of, um, I think a lot of the inflammation you could try it. And then they're yeah. always worst case scenario. You can do an elimination diet, which is what I call my diet. Granted, I've been on it for three years and I'm trying to reintroduce things, but just being asymptomatic and off medications and not feeling like I'm going to die is plenty at the moment. So how do you eat? What, what, what does your beef look like? Okay. So do you guys use air fryers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you already know how great air fryers are. We're going to have that conversation. We yeah. love air fryers. Everybody loves air fryers. I love Some people don't understand. It's cuz they, they don't have one. Don't they, they, they haven't tried one yet. Yeah, I know. I I need to be sponsored by an air fryer company because you really should. I'm so in love with my I really should. <laughs> I really should. They're like, "No, too controversial. I sell air fryers though." But anyway, um how do I eat? I actually get steak um or lamb. So 90% of my diet is steak or lamb, although I eat chicken now. I didn't eat chicken for two years on this. I was just eating steak. It was so sad. But now I can eat chicken again without having autoimmune symptoms. But anyway, I cook chicken, uh, steak or lamb from frozen in the air fryer. Because if you cook it from frozen, then it gets crispier on the outside without cooking all the way through. Mm. And, and that's like, I don't use an oven anymore and I live in a condo, so I can't use a barbecue or I'd barbecue, but it's like air fried frozen steak yeah. and it's great. It's a great way to cook a steak. And any seasonings? Salt. Salt. Wow. That do is, you hate, do you hate eating or like, cause like I, I look at that. I'm like, ah, oh, steak every day sounds great, but I can imagine it gets old and like would kind of like uh, be a struggle like a, week. a week. Yeah. The first month is like, is pretty miserable for people because you go through. Uh, so the first couple of days you're like, yeah, okay, I could do this. I love steak. And then the third or fourth day, people seem to get like steak averse, like seriously steak averse. And we know part of what happens is, so you have your microbiome and you have like 10 times as many cells or bacteria in your gut than you do in your body. So you, there's a lot of microbiome going on there. And uh, when you stop eating carbs or vegetables, all the bacteria in your gut that survive off of carbs or vegetables die off. Um, and you talk to some people and they say, you know, you need more variety um, to get your, get a healthy microbiome, but sometimes people's microbiomes aren't healthy. I don't know if that's contributing to their symptoms or not, but anyway, when you first start the diet, you have this microbiome change where you lose your carb consuming bacteria and that makes people feel ill. So the first, like the first three weeks are, are tricky to get through. Cause you get, um, you don't feel good. You're nauseous. You're, if you're not on a ketogenic diet, technically eating all meat is a ketogenic diet. So you switch from burning carbs to burning fat and that can be metabolically difficult. So it's not, it's not fun. Like people who stick with it, if you stick with it for six weeks, then I'd say it's more like three and a half weeks that are really bad. But if you can make it to the six week point, you kind of forget, like you, you don't have cravings anymore. Um, like the transition period seems to end, but it's not like, it's not a great time. Most people I know who do it are doing it because they're really, really ill and they have no other options. And then after six weeks, generally speaking, people are so happy with feeling a bit less inflammation that they're like, yeah, okay, I can do this. Like no, nothing's as bad as having a severe autoimmune disorder. No diet is as bad as that. Yeah. And so you, you introduced your dad to this diet and it's worked pretty well for him. 
Yeah, well, he was a bit complicated because he stopped taking SSRIs when, so we went on this paleo diet and that actually eliminated most of the symptoms. Like my dad lost a lot of weight on that and things were way better. Um, And then he was on SSRIs as well. And when we both stopped taking SSRIs and went into SSRI withdrawal, um, then things just weren't very good anymore. So he had success with it initially, the SSRIs messed him up. Um, and then his story is complicated because his doctor put him on benzodiazepines for this, what we now know as SSRI withdrawal. And once you're on those things, like you're, you have bigger problems than diet. Right. So yeah, he lost a ton of weight. Like he went from, he lost 50 pounds. That's how much he lost in like a year. Like is that it like, was, is it, was that a healthy crazy. 50 pounds? That's like about 50 pounds he could lose? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, he's 6'2". He was wow, uh, 217. He's 6'2". He's a and then, tall guy. Yeah, he's tall. He, uh, he, yeah, he was big. He was big for sure. And he trying to lose weight. Um, like he cut out certain things, but nothing had really helped. Um, but, I mean, he's doing, so the, the diet helped a lot. But the, the like benzodiazepines and the SSRIs and things really were hard on his brain. He's got a very, very sensitive brain. So now that the benzodiazepines are gone and he's had some time to recover, uh, he's doing really well. Like he's, he's super sharp. He's still on the diet at least until he's been given like, I mean, it's up to him what he does. Yeah. There are people online who have this idea that I keep him like chained up in my basement, force feeding him steak, which <laughs> you should just isn't true. <laughs> if it works. <laughs> that's, that's true. But no, he's doing this. He's doing this himself. And I mean, ideally, like the goal isn't to be on this diet forever. The goal is to get healthy enough to reintroduce things, to have a bit more variety because right. it's socially weird. And it's like, you know, I miss salad and things. It's not like I didn't like vegetables. Right. Um, yeah. How often do you see your dad? I saw him. So I'm in Dubai right now. Oh, wow. Um, so I haven't seen him for since March 26th, but um, like almost every day before that for two years, he, when he was really sick, um, I was like there at, at the doctors and at, at the hospital. So that was like I was basically living with him yeah. while he got better, just watching. So all the time. And we talk nearly every day. It's been a little bit less when, since I've been in Dubai because of the time change, but it's basically every day. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of like, a lot of that's business. Most of that's business right. just to catch up on ideas and projects and things. One thing I've noticed when I watch you two interact and you can tell me if I'm uh, way you know, this observation isn't correct or not, but I feel like he holds you to a really high standard. Meaning he expects he, a lot out of you. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he also, um, I think he's also seen what I can do. Right. Like I, like real, realistically, I had an autoimmune disorder and I don't anymore. Right. Like even the, even the medical community says that's impossible. So that happened. And then my mom had arthritis and she doesn't have arthritis anymore. He was on medication. He doesn't have any of those problems anymore. Um, when he he when he had something called akathisia from these stupid benzodiazepines, um, I was the one who said, "This is akathisia. This is a drug reaction." Wow! And all the doctors we went to in North America were like, "No, it's some underlying condition." And so I took him to a different country where they recognized what was going on. So that, and I've been, you know, making financial decisions and doing brand management and project management. So I think he's, I think he's pretty happy with me at the moment. So in that role, is that a role that you and your dad, because obviously your dad's been going through a lot the last couple of years, he's been in all sorts of different clinics and all over the place. As that was happening, is that a role that you just kind of had to jump into and start managing yourself? Or did you guys have a conversation? He said, look, Michaela, you need to, you know, do this. How did that work? So at the beginning, so in January, 2018, when his book came out, I started doing things like my mom was helping me, helping him with his schedule. Yeah. So literally just scheduling things. And I took a look at the schedule um, and the publishers were also helping with his schedule and booking. And I took a look at the bookings and it was like 
9 a.m. to 3 a.m. Like it, they just booked him solid and they booked him on every single person who reached out, every person's show. Right. So, so I looked at that and I was like, this is going to, this is not, <laughs> this is not acceptable. You're not going to be able to do this. It's going to be hard for you. Um, and at the time I was home, I had a six month old daughter. So at the time I was home and I was kind of like going stir crazy, not doing a lot. And I'd been keeping an eye on my dad, but I hadn't really been working for him. So that was January, 2018. I started working for him and I was just kind of saying no to people organizing his schedule. Right. Um, and, but then it was like, then it turned into booking theaters. Then it, then I, um, I switched. He had two companies that he was working with that were charging fees that weren't like industry standard fees. Mm -hmm. So I figured that out and hired two to other people. And then suddenly we had to deal with taxes <laughs> and he was like, Michaela, you do this. And I was like, I don't know how to do like, ta like what? So he just kept giving me things because he was touring. Right. And, and he said yes to a lot. So and then he'd be like, Michaela, you, you do this. And I was like, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. Like, okay, I'll figure it out. Um, so it kind of evolved. And then I hired people who, you know, were more suited for like taxes or <laughs> things yeah. like that. Um, so it wasn't really a formal agreement, but also, like you said, he kind of, he kind of got famous on YouTube just randomly. And we had absolutely no idea how long it was going to last because people will, you know, go viral for like two days and right. then no one will hear about them again. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, we have no idea how long this is going to last. We better just snatch every opportunity that comes our way. Yeah. And so it just kind of evolved from that. And then, well, you guys almost you know, had to out of survival based off of the fact yeah. that some of the stuff that your dad originally said, or that was put out there, got him blacklisted like crazy. Right. I mean, from, yes. from his, there, he was a, he was a professor, right? Yeah. He tried to be, he, he they, he, people tried to cancel him before people really got canceled. Right. Yeah. It was right at the beginning of people being canceled. And they were like, Oh, this guy, uh, he's transphobic and shouldn't be allowed to teach. And we thought at the beginning, this was very stressful. He thought he was going to be fired from U of T. Yeah. Even though his remarks were the fact that it had, the fact that it was surrounding a trans issue was happenstance, right? What he was arguing was freedom of speech. Don't make me say certain words. If it had had to do with anything else, he would have had the same argument. Right. But it was surrounding like a trans law in Canada. So he got blacklisted for being a transphobe, even though that wasn't what it was about, although it's an easier story to sell. Uh, so yeah, and he wasn't gonna, he, like, he wasn't gonna say, oh, I'm sorry for saying that. Because he's like, no, I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. And I still think freedom of speech is important. It's like, I'm not apologizing for something that I either didn't say or I'm not apologizing for, right? So. Well, what's yeah, crazy a is a lot of it was <laughs> treading water. Typically in the cancel culture, um, it's pretty easy to cancel somebody. And it's very uncommon to see an entire world of supporters be generated like the people that are now supporting your dad. Like your dad had this movement, this online movement. These these people that all of a sudden were like, all right, this guy's standing his ground. He's not backing down. He's not he's not going back on what he said. He's not a he's not just trying to to please everybody who's trying to cancel him, he's doubling down. And I think that was like this weird revolution that we didn't even know we needed, especially when I say we, I mean, men in our, our, our demographic, 18 to 35, 40 year old men, you know, your dad is saying things that, uh, we're commonly being kind of shamed for, um, like being proud of being a man, being proud of, 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 being a father and being, you know, taking on a masculine role. Um, and that's why I love, it's so funny reading your dad's books. Um, I share them with my wife and there's, there's some chapters where it's like, it's okay. Basically it talks about being, it's okay to be the woman. It's okay to, to, to fulfill those roles and it's okay to be a man. It's, it's, you don't have to be white bread. You don't have to be everything to everyone. Um, and you don't, just because you're a man doesn't make you bad. And just because you're a woman, it doesn't make you, um, I just, the way he logically explains it, I've never come across any other content ever, any literature, anything, 
anybody that can explain it so eloquently and, and make it make so much sense from a logical standpoint, not just an emotional standpoint, but your dad's a very logical thinker. And so the yeah. way he explains things, um, when you hear him talk about it, you can't deny it. You know, nobody's yeah. going to have a better argument than your dad. They're just not. I mean, I've never, I've never seen anybody. And obviously that's why he's, he's caught so much, um, popularity online is in some of these, you know, um, when he, when he corrected, I can't remember what show he was on, but happy Newman. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, absolutely. Just without even being snarky or anything, just completely stopped her in her tracks because it was logical. What he said was logical. It wasn't emotional. It wasn't, it wasn't an attack on her. It was, it was a logical response to an attack on him that very, very rarely catches on the way that did. So I was very impressed by that. Um, your dad growing up with in that home that had to be different than, um, most childhoods. I'm assuming that you guys had a very intellectual upbringing. Yeah, we did. I actually didn't, I didn't have a good frame of reference, I guess. I didn't realize that my family might be a little bit weird until I went to university and then moved and then kind of came back and was like, okay, now that I've been away for a few years, <laughs> our house is full of, you know, Soviet era art. Walk me through that real quick. What Nobody is, what is, is full of Soviet what is the art? connection to the Soviet world between your dad and and you're 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 named after uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah. 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 He named his first child after Mikhail. Gorbachev. Yes, yeah. he did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so so personally, from what I've heard, I think that the tensions between North America and Russia during the Cold War were really scary to him. So I think I know that a lot of the like dreams he had when he was a teenager and a kid were concerns about nuclear war. Mm. So uh, he did a lot of research into that and was like, how can a society end up like that? Because it's not like you can just say, well, I mean, you can, but you'd be wrong, but it's not like you can say, you know, Russians are evil. And, and when he, he talks about Nazism too, he's like, it, it, was at like, it was a huge portion of the population. So you're just gonna say Germans are evil? Or is there something that can happen to societies to turn people into Nazis or, or you know, communists or, or whatever? Um, and so he did a lot of research trying to figure out what would make people believe something that strongly, which is why he's against ideology. Uh, and I think he, he's a huge fan of art. So then there's the other side. He's a huge fan of art. Um, and in, when I was in grade six, I discovered eBay all these stories combined together. Eventually when I was in grade six, I discovered eBay and I was like, dad, like, look at this. You can buy things on eBay and it's super cheap. And then for two years, he bought every painting that was like high quality. He's, he's probably looked at more Soviet art than anybody, right? He, he, it was daily and he was snagging all this art because they started to be able to export art, uh, which they couldn't do uh, when the USSR existed so Hmm. all these artists had all this art in their house and they were trying to make some money because nobody there had any money anymore and um so dad bought a ton of it and i think part of it was because he appreciated the quality of the art because some of the paintings were amazing but a lot of it i think was just a reminder about what you know what can happen when societies become ideologically possessed wow um it's funny i I heard your i heard in the um latest book a lot about your dad talking about the art and stuff like that so we have a interview with him i think scheduled for next week so i i I purchased him a piece of soviet art that um i found online that i'm actually really excited to give to him um and i have no he may look at it and be like this is complete trash but it's something that it uh i'm not going to reveal it right now because i want it to be surprised but super interested yeah i know i don't feel like he would if it was trash he'd just be like that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you. Um, it's actually a piece <laughs> of pro- propaganda. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, so you'll see oh, when I cool. when I give that to your dad, and we'll ship it to you guys. Um, I have a question though. Growing up in an intellectual home, obviously, a lot of your life, your childhood, things, your your decisions that you make were all probably fact based, or you you it was it was done in yeah. a very rational, logical way. So with that said. Do, and I know your dad wasn't very religious per se um, growing up. Do you believe in things like 
um, zodiac signs or anything that's a little bit more on the mystical side? Okay, so when I started this meat diet and all my autoimmune symptoms went away, I I really lost faith in everything that I believed in because I was very sci- scientifically oriented. Um, I didn't trust, like I said, I thought gluten-free was a fad. I scoffed at organic food. Like I was very scientifically oriented. And then when I put myself into remission and the medical system was like, yeah, that's not possible. I was like, well, <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna see you guys again. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of was like, what, what do I have wrong? Like, what am I looking at that I've believed that I have wrong? And then I got more skeptical and like the government and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, how long, like, how far is this going to go? Like, am I going to end up as a flat earther? Like, please not that. <laughs> um, um, so I've been probably because I'm so concerned about what I'm believing that's wrong. Um, I'm, I'm probably looking more into spiritual things now. I'm not Zodiac signs, but, um, I grew up, like you said, thinking about everything fact-based and really making decisions based on logic. And recently I've figured out and in a business sense as well, that I've got a, an intuition that seems to guide me in the right direction. And that's something that I kind of thought I just ignored. Right. So I'm, so that's something I'm, I more believe in. And then honestly, my life has been so, so weird and circumstances that just shouldn't, I'm in a reality that I don't think should exist. Right. right? So I have no idea how much I've also done a lot of shrooms, which probably doesn't help, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't really know how much religion or spirituality, how much of that is more real than thinking about things purely in a logic based way. So I don't know if that answered your question at all. So Zodiac signs, probably not, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I was wrong about diet. I feel like you're open to it. And I feel like, have you ever had an experience that you, that was not, um, mushroom induced that you thought, okay, that was supernatural. That was, that was not of this realm. Yeah. Um, like a a couple, and I'm probably more in tune with it now that I'm off of medication, but when my depression first went away it the difference I was experiencing in my reality was absurd like it's like I got luckier I was like how can depression maybe depression makes you make bad decisions or it makes you not think into the future and so maybe my decisions are better and that's why my life is going better but it really seemed like when my depression went away I got luckier so that was the first like weird thing and then I mean the situation with my dad has been absurd. And, um, I've noticed, you know, when you have a fight with somebody or have you ever gone into a room where people have been arguing and you can feel it in the air? Oh yeah. Okay. So I thought, okay, maybe that's because you can smell some sort of hormone like fear or anger and you can smell it off of people. Right. So I was trying to think of like the scientific logic behind that, but I don't know what that is exactly if it's energy or something. So I don't know where I'm going to end up in five years, but it might be way out there. I like um, it. I, think I haven't I, had like we're getting a glimpse into the beginning of something much bigger for you because you're, 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 you're open to it. It's got to be hard for you too, because coming, like I said, coming from such a rational, logical background where everything's got to be scientific, you know, kind of based to now there's this realm that you're starting to accept things that you don't understand and science can't really explain, but you know that they're real because your gut tells you and your intuition isn't wrong. I just, it's kind of exciting for yeah. to, to watch that because uh, I think as you continue to develop that and listen to that, it's going to take you to some really cool places. You sound like you're further out there than me. We, believe it or not, we are, we are open-minded extremely open-minded and it's okay. so funny because people see us on tv as the truck guys and you know that those those kinds of guys that's but amazing we do i mean i've i we try a little bit of everything in fact our last um podcast was with a lady um named andrea carver and she's an intuitive cranial sacral therapist oh nice yeah um andrea is amazing she's she's uh how do you even explain what Andrea does? You'd have to listen to the podcast episode, but basically she has the ability to, so it's, it's like you lay down for a massage, but she just kind of feels the energy in your body. And okay. I, okay. I have a friend who, who does it's, 
it's energy. It's some sort of energy work. Yeah. And I swear people, I swear it's, it's from Asia and people in Asia are like, yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. Morons, right. But, um, whatever she does, she's good at it. So I think that there are people who can tap into something, um, that we don't have any way of explaining yet. And so I'm trying to live my life, listening to my intuition a little bit more, yeah. um, which I think is hard if you're sick because it's way hard you're all messed up. if you're sick, all yeah. of your, your, everything's being filtered and, and just kind of muted. So that's, uh, that's probably the most exciting part of your journey right now is the fact that now that you are no longer having to deal with those filters of being sick and you can kind of be more like, you can be more yeah. open to, um, and, and energy, energy is real. It's a hundred percent real. There's no, there's no denying it. And when you talk about the flow of energy through your body, um, and the, the way the energy kind of starts to stagnate in your body. Um, it's one thing that I've, that I've learned a lot this year is the energy and emotions. Um, there's a book you ever called, uh, heard the emotion code? No, there's a book called the, the emotion code and the body code. And they're both written by the same guy, but it basically talks about how negative experiences in our life create these balls of energy that store up in different areas of our body. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it literally okay. becomes yeah. this block in these different areas. I've, so I've had these, um, energy work sessions with, um, energy workers. You ever, you know what muscle testing is? So muscle testing where obviously you ask your body a yes or no question. And then you, you, uh, yeah, you pull against yourself and you're stronger if the answer is yes. And you're weaker if it's no. And so these, these energy, um, working therapists can, can quickly do that for you. It's they do it basically by proxy. And I've been in phone calls where I've talked to this, this lady who's an energy worker over the phone and she knows nothing about me, nothing about my childhood, nothing about anything about me. Um, and within five or 10 minutes, she's digging into and, and discovering that I've got some, some blocked emotions and some frustrations from when I was seven and my mom dropped me off at kindergarten or first grade. And that was really a hard moment for me. And that's affected me throughout my whole life. And I'm like, how did you find that in five or 10? Like it, so the fact that, um, our, you know, our body and our subconscious can't lie. Uh, we can lie and we, we have the ability to, to yes. try to like block things and filter and, and, you know, the logical side of our brain yeah. tries to protect us. Um, but when you get into the energy side of the body, you can't control that side. The body's going to do what's best or you yeah. know, your, your spirit and your mind are going to continue to tell the truth. And so that's some one thing that we've learned a ton throughout this process of learning about the energy and the spiritual side of things that is, it's incredible. And I think as you continue to dive into that, you're going to have your mind blown. And I think you should. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I was definitely not expecting that. Yeah. Well, um, I, I definitely learned, like I've definitely learned that, you know, if you have things you're thinking or negative feelings and then you stuff it down, there's no way to make it go away. What you, used to what, think, well, stuff in, stuff in. No, yeah, Andrea's it, quote, it, right? And Andrea said, um, yeah, emotions buried alive never die. Emotions buried alive never die. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating if you're like, why do I feel that way? Like, I shouldn't be feeling that way. That's an unreasonable response. It's like, it's too bad. It's there. So you should figure out how to deal with it. I, I call it, you know, and everybody has one, the little voice in your head. Yeah. That's really quiet but you can make it louder if you start listening to it. Right. Or you can try and block it out and ruin your life. But the little voice in your head, so that's what I'm trying to do, which I guess you could also call intuition or your conscience or, or something. But it's definitely complicated and people who limit it to what we know scientifically are definitely missing out on something. Yeah. I think the, the hippies were onto something and to a certain extent, I mean, you, you, you take uh, the hippie logic mixed with some of the, the Peterson family logic. And I think you've got yourself like the ultimate, you know, way to live. I really do. It's, it's, it's taking things fact-based and scientist, uh, scientifically, but at the same time being open to things that you don't understand. That's the big, do you think your dad's yeah. open to things that he doesn't understand? Yeah, I think, he, I think sometimes he got overwhelmed by the logic portion of his brain, but he's definitely open. Like he, um, he always scoffed at diet too, which I think is why I scoffed at diet, you know, cause there was no science behind it. But then when I, I like dramatically changed in a few months, right. I went off of Adderall that I was taking because I was sleeping all the time. Like I went off of all my medication. I was like, look at, like, look at me. I'm awake. Like what the hell? Yeah. And he was like, that doesn't make any sense, but let's try it. <laughs> yeah. So I love it. Yeah. He's definitely open. 
yeah, Adderall's one that uh, I also kicked. That was that's one that you don't realize how damaging it really is until you've taken it for like two or three years, and all of a sudden you just become numb. You're just kind of so the way the way that um, when I got off it, a guy that helped me get off it explained to me, he's like, look, your your engine is half revved all the time. You are always in a mild state of fight or flight. And so just my body was constantly dumping cortisol and adrenaline, just like kind of like a steady drip. But I didn't I didn't really feel the highs and the lows. You know what I mean? You just you kind of have that level like you feel like you're just maintaining feeling good. But the fact of the matter is you're not. You're actually just kind of burning yourself out at a at a pace that's just below being able to understand that you're fatigued. And so you don't understand what's yes. going on. Everything's kind of irritating to you. Um, yeah. And so that's that's one thing that uh, – do you meditate? Uh, I haven't recently, but, you know, the the year I spent in hospitals with my dad shook me up, and, I'm, and he's just feeling better now. So yeah. now I'm getting back into exercise and meditation. Before that, I was meditating every day, yeah. I feel like that's something that you um, – if I could give you any advice, would, yeah, from. figure figure out just a, a, a meditation routine. And there's these guided meditations. Um, if you go to Andrea, is it Andrea Carver Wellness or AndreaWellness.com. Um, she's this. She's the intuitive uh, cranial sacral therapist. A good, good friend of mine. Um, and she's also uh, an amazing meditation instructor and uh, instructor and social. She's she's the one who's kind of taught me how to meditate because I feel like you and I, our brains probably work very similar. Um, uh, kind of going a million miles an hour, uh, have a lot, yes. have a lot. I've always been the type of person that say, I can't, I'm, I'm the type of person that can't sit still. I can't sit still. I got to be going, going, going. Um, and I found that that's not necessarily a healthy way to view life. Yeah. Like you have to be able to shut down. You have to be able to, yes. once you get in that, in that realm where you can actually, um, slip into the, into the, it's what do they call it? Um, the gap, the gap between your thoughts. So as you're meditating, and you're sitting there having those thoughts, once you can actually acknowledge the fact that you are in the gap of dead space between your thoughts, that is meditation. That is like the ultimate like moment where you know that you're, you're there. You've, you've finally, um, never been there. You've never, it's hard. It's, nope. it's actually surprisingly yeah. hard to get there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I was using headspace, which does guided meditations yeah. and it, and it'll be like, you know, you know, fill your body up with just visualize filling your body up with gold fluid or something. Right. And I'd get to my toes and then I'd be like, damn, like all these work things that I'm thinking about. And then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't talk to you for like 15 seconds. And I'd be like, like two kilometers away yeah. solving some work problem and be like, now you're up to your knees. Be like, oh shit, I'm <laughs> filling my body up with gold. I forgot. But things do slow down if you practice. And I definitely felt better when I was implementing that. And I wasn't doing it for very long. It was like, I can only stand doing that for like 10 minutes. It was like, I can do 10 minutes a day, at least yeah. start with that. But I, I don't think I got to a pause. Yeah. I don't think so. I think you would know if you got there, if you, if you got to the, to the, to that moment then, where you slip no. between your thoughts. Yeah. Cause you would know it's, it's a very like aha moment. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely try that. It's and Andrea, like I said, has some really good guided meditations um that'll help you get to that moment because okay. there's Andrea Carver. Yeah, Andrea Carver. It's AndreaWellness.com um or Andrea Carver uh wellness on Instagram. I'll right. look that up. Cool. Um yeah, you'll you'll okay. love Andrea's stuff. But um I because I, I did headspace too, but the problem with headspace is exactly what you said. You get to the part where if you trail off at all. You're gone. The, the, the dude's already got the giant pillar of light coming out of the top of your head, and you're like, "Well, shit!" I like you said, I was on my feet. Um, yeah. Andrea does a better job at helping you not judge yourself for having thoughts, but instead, kind of bringing it back. It's, it's all about okay. bringing it back to um, your breath. Do you? In fact, you guys have done some amazing yeah. interviews. Um, you guys have done the breath work a little bit. You and your dad, right? Yeah, Wim Hof. Yeah. You guys have had, uh, in yeah. fact, you've had, uh, you had Wim you know Hof on the what? show. Actually, actually, you were talking about the space in between thoughts. Yeah. If I do Wim Hof breathing, so I haven't done that meditating. If I do Wim Hof breathing, I get a moment where I'm not thinking about anything at the yep. end, where everything's just calm. Yep. I forgot about that, but that certainly happens, but I haven't had that with meditating. That's funny. We're very Definitely similar because I'm the same way where I can usually only get into that if I'm doing the Wim Hof stuff. Um, and you guys, uh, I, I watched a, uh, an episode where you and your dad did some Wim Hof. Um, 
I don't know if he did the power breathing with you. Did you go, do you know if you did power breathing where you basically on the, um, you breathe all the way out and then you breathe in all the way and then you like squeeze your entire body. Oh man. We didn't yeah. do that. Yeah. So I, I used to, my, my mom is into massage therapy and she used to get me to do something similar when I was little tense every to help me fall asleep. Yeah. Tense everything up. But I didn't know Wim Hof does that. It's it's something that he doesn't really talk about in his YouTube stuff because it's kind of like a second level to his training. Um, but we have a uh, local Wim Hof instructor, is a good buddy of mine who comes and does classes for us all the time. So we always do these breathing classes. So you do basically the four rounds of the Wim Hof breathing where you hold on the exhale as long as you can, and then you breathe in for 15 seconds and you hold it. But the second round is you kind of hyperventilate, like 30 breaths. <laughs> As much as you That's can, kind of you get a little bit lightheaded and then you breathe all the way out and then you take a big deep breath in and then you just clench your entire core. Like, um, literally like you're basically trying to squeeze. You want to, you want to feel like you're trying to pop your head off your shoulders. Like literally it's, it's the most, it's, it's when you first do it, you feel like you're crazy and you feel like you're going to crap your pants, but it is, it is, if you can squeeze it and you hold it for, for 15, 20 seconds and then you instantly start going into another round you do that for four rounds like talk about your experience with mushrooms it's the same thing it releases um there is dmt there is no way yeah that it's the same as it's, like six grams of mushrooms i don't think it's the same no as six way. grams of mushrooms but i think it's <laughs> i think it is it is so you people can have um kind of like psychedelic experiences it will release dmt and it'll create this euphoria that i don't think you can get anywhere else and that's where i happen to slip into the you know the gap between my thoughts and it's pretty powerful oh, so yeah okay, okay you should try that it's awesome. It's, it's, it's awesome i'm doing i'm doing a wim hof session tuesday in dubai where it's like a a cold plunge and a sauna and wim hof breathing which i'm like <laughs> i don't find it particularly comfortable but i know it's going to feel awesome afterwards so have you done much of the uh the cold baths uh yeah i've done more saunas saunas yeah. were like life-changing when i was getting off of antidepressants, like life changing. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know why sweating. Maybe I was sweating something out. I don't know, but saunas are incredible. Cold plunges. I really like, you know what? <laughs> that space between your thoughts. If you get in a cold plunge, you yeah. can also get there. Yeah, definitely. That will stop you from thinking where you, you're just breathing and everything slows, like zeros in and slows down. Yeah. You're going to survival cool. mode. Yeah, it's. I can see you're intrigued by that now. You want to get there. You need to. Um, and there's there's oh yeah there's oh yeah. A, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. In fact, if you're in a sauna, you can do the Wim Hof breathing in the sauna, and that's another way. You oh. get lightheaded pretty quick, um, oh. so you got to be a little bit careful and pace yourself. But it's just crazy how once you start doing these things and practicing them, within a matter of 10, 15 minutes, you can you can get there. You can completely shut down and and change your state of mind. And it's something that where. In my world, I got a crazy life, just like you do. We're all over the place. Our schedule's crazy. I got to have those moments where I can shut down all the systems. Yeah. Because if I don't, that's when I start feeling irritable. That's when I start feeling like there's problems in my life. I start feeling like there's yeah. external things that are bothering me, but it turns out they're really not. It's just me not giving my body time to reset yeah. and reboot. Um, yeah. One, one of the things I've learned, especially with helping my dad, um, because we were doing work all the time, um, and it turns out you can't do that. Like you have to, to self-care is incredibly important and it takes quite a bit of time, but if you do it properly, then you're so much more productive in the other hours right. that it doesn't even matter. It was like, Oh no, I don't have time for exercise or I don't have time for a walk or to get in the sun. Um, and you take that time. If you do it every day too, uh, you save it just by how productive you are in the other hours. Yeah. So I've, I've really learned, like I, I used to just brush that off to, I don't know, selfishness or something about taking care of myself, which is a stupid way to think about it. But right. that's definitely changed. I'm like, oh no, if I'm sane, everybody around me is happier. Yep. Like that's, the, it's good for everybody. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. That's what, that's one thing that literally our whole podcast is about finding ways to take better care of yourself and take time for yourself. That's why we call it the checklist podcast because we leave people with ah. marching orders of every episode. Here's two, three, four, five things that you can do. And Marcus started doing these things. When we started the podcast two, three years ago, um, you were a different person when we started this. Yeah. A very different person. You, um, you had a lot of injuries. Um, you weren't as in great a shape. And so it just started doing these little things one by one um, in each episode where if you just do one thing a day or one, is it, what's that? What picture is that? 
Is that from That's beginning? before the podcast, and that was about midway through. We'll see if we can show it up on the screen here in a minute. But basically, it shows Marcus at the beginning of the podcast and at the end Let's of the podcast. See. He went from basically fat to fit. I mean, there's really no better way to explain it, but I don't know if you can see that there. But Oh, yeah. What? There's a crazy transformation. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's that's it's I was the chubby guy in the show and 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 the dummy, but I'm starting to figure it out, you know. Well, it's hard and it takes time. Yeah, 100%. Well, we're not going to take too much more of your time, Michaela, but I do have a question. You have had the opportunity to interview some pretty amazing people. Um, talk to me about, I know it's hard to choose a favorite, but your favorite or your, some of your favorite interviews of all time. Okay, so like, hmm, I did, I'll talk to you about, about a couple. Um, I'm releasing an episode with a couple of doctors who, who made a movie called Medicating Normal. And they talk about the dangers of medication, like, you know, Adderall, SSRIs, benzodiazepines. Uh, and it was, and they're, you know, really good doctors. And it was this, he was probably 75 and 70. I didn't know they were like old until they popped on the show. But that was, I think that was a really important episode for people to hear because like, I don't know what it is. 20% of people are on some sort of medication yeah. or psych med. Like it's really high. So at some, you know, somebody who's on a psych med or you're on one, right? right. Um, so I thought that was really important. Um, my favorite types of episodes that I'm doing, I, I do these episodes called opposing views. Yeah. So I'll take somebody who has, you, you would say like the most extreme view on the right, the most extreme view on the left. And I'll just have an hour long conversation with both of them separately so that they don't get freaked out because they're not talking to each other. So it's not a debate. Right. And those people are so hungry for that type of conversation. Yeah. Um, so I've done, I wanted to do one on COVID, but I can't get, I can't get a doctor to come on. Really? So opposing views on COVID. Yeah. It's too contentious, I guess right now. So that's not happening, but I had one on porn and one. on. Yeah. Abortion. I saw the one you did on porn. It was fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. So those are probably my favorite. And then I don't know, I had Matthew McConaughey on and I literally cried afterwards. So you know, his, his story, Matthew McConaughey, I kept seeing his, his book pop up and some of his, his podcasts pop up and I'm like, it's Matthew McConaughey. He's just going to be the Matthew McConaughey from the movies. I was like, I was so reluctant. He's not, he's not, he's a completely different, like I was his, inspired. Yeah. Have you read yeah, his book? No, and his book is great. Yeah. I've read the memoir and, and I don't, well, I guess I don't normally read memoirs. Technically, what I'm writing would be considered a memoir, but I don't usually read them. His was really good. He's had a very interesting life. Yeah. Like his family was pretty rough. And he, you know, it's easy to judge people who are successful by being like, oh, it's all luck. What did they do to deserve it? But he really worked. He took every opportunity he could and jumped on all of them, which is one of the tricks to being more successful. It's like, stop saying no to everything and do stuff. Right. That's, yeah. That's it's a good step in the right direction. When, when he's uh, talking about his mom becoming a total fangirl um, and not being a mom anymore, that's something that uh, my mom didn't do that. But as we, we kind of became famous overnight when our TV show became a big hit and instantly kind of had to start questioning people's motives. And are you here because you're a fan? And that sucks. Um, and you, you probably deal with it too. When people meet you that, that, that yeah. admire you, look up to you, their eyes kind of just glaze over and they're, it's like nobody's home. When they're talking to you, they're just, they're like looking right through you. And some, those are some of my least favorite conversations. And it's not because I don't like talking to fans. It's because when you're talking to these people that are, that view you as like a, a star or somebody rather than who you really are, they're the worst conversations in the world. I can't stand it. That's why I hate talking, like making small talk with people at the airports and stuff, because I can, I can ask them a question or I can answer one of their questions and it's like, it just goes straight through them. And then they'll, they'll go, their brain will kick over to the next question that they wanted to ask the celebrity version of me, not real me. Um, and so that's something that people who gain notoriety, become famous, become high profile have to deal with. And so, like I said, you start to question people's motives. I'm sure you and your dad have dealt with that. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I don't think I, I haven't had very many negative experiences to people coming up. Um, most of that, and I'm pretty disagreeable. So when someone comes up, I'm like, mm, yeah, <laughs> what's happening here? Yeah. But most people have been overwhelmingly like appreciative. It's very strange. Yeah. So that I haven't experienced, but if people reach out online and want to 
you know, suddenly be friends, um, then I'm definitely a little bit wary. And, and it's weird for me too, because it, I'm like, is it me or is it my dad? Yeah. What exactly are you looking for here? And, and if it's, and even if it is me, why exactly do you want, like, what do you want? Right. Right. So that's, and I didn't have that before. So that's kind of unfortunate, but eh, there's a little, there are a lot of upsides too. So, I mean, that's just what happens. Yeah. And you're going to start dealing with that more and more and more as you continue to create. If you continue to create the content that you're doing, there's no reason why you're not going to be at the very top of that space just because you do, you present it in a way that you've got your dad's logic and then you've got your own charm, which I think that's why your content performs. Thanks. It's going to be hard to break out of the box of being Jordan Peterson's daughter, but if anybody can do it, you're going to be the one that can do it. And that's, uh, it's, it's, well, that's, hopefully yeah, no, you no can. other daughters. So <laughs> you have Just to, up to me, <laughs> you have to break the mold. Well, Michaela, um, we really appreciate your time. Really appreciate what you and your dad are doing. I know that, um, it's not always easy to speak the way that you guys feel and think and, and do, and you guys are demonized and there's articles and, and you're being compared to Marvel villains. Um, it's, it's absolutely, at least that one was funny. It was funny. And that's, I mean, that's at least you guys can have fun with it. I don't know how your dad uh, takes that compared to you, but you have to. Otherwise, it'll just eat you alive. Yeah, he's more resilient now, and it's happened so many times that he's getting used to it. And I'm there, too, so I can be like, look how funny it is in this light. Right. Like, yeah, okay. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I love it. Um, if you had any words of advice or um, Anything you would want to share to our listeners? Like I said, it's the checklist. And so we always kind of leave some sort of marching orders. Is there anything that you would want to, and this can literally be anything from write a book to whatever you think, any advice you would offer to our listeners? Yeah. As much as I don't want to talk diet, I would say if you're sick and you're not feeling well, yeah. it's, it's up to you to get better. Like, because somebody probably isn't going to help. Right. And uh, so, so there's that. And if you need a place to start, if you just get rid of grains and that's the only change you make, I bet you'd, you'd feel that and it would be good. And a month would be enough grain free for a month. There are lots of grain alternatives. And I guess it doesn't even have to be as extreme as you're sick all the time. It could be if you're just not, not feeling a hundred percent, right? Well, yeah. Or if you get a crash in the afternoon or you get like an 11 AM crash and a 3 PM crash and you have to nap if you're napping all the day, like all day, sorry, every day, or you're groggy or something, it could be that your body isn't too happy with something you're eating. And grains are pretty hard. Um, grains would be the hardest thing for people to digest that we eat. We were so lied so to. to start we were somewhere. so freaking lied to at the food I pyramid. Know. It's insane. I know. And they put meat as the hard to digest thing. Yeah. You know, people who get intestinal surgery and have to have part of their intestines removed yeah. as, as gnarly as this is they're told to eat more meat and less fiber because it's mostly absorbed in the small intestine like it's easy for people who have got damage to eat meanwhile we're in elementary school being taught that this is the only way to do it and if you don't have that's insanity cereal yeah well i like how you're turning the food pyramid on its head so that's pretty cool um, thank you. Yeah. You've done Thanks a good job having me on. Yeah. And thank you for being a Guinea pig for all of so many people's like health problems. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of people who would have never figured this out without, uh, some sort of guidance from you. So don't be ashamed of being that diet girl or being that fitness vlogger, because I mean, you discovered something pretty damn valuable and you spent a lot of years in pain to get there. So you own it. It's yours. And uh, I think you Thank do a good you. job with it. So, Michaela, you're awesome. Your family's awesome. We appreciate everything you guys do. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, too.